Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish tech news. Hi, uh, today on the Irish Tech News Podcast, uh, we're continuing our theme of speaking to um, some industry thought leaders uh, in, and in particular uh, from Microsoft and looking at some of the work they've been doing. So first of all, uh, who do we have the pleasure of talking to today? Um, hi, Simon. Um, you've the pleasure of talking to me, Kieran McQuarrie. I'm the National Technology Officer for Microsoft in Ireland. Cool. So I guess uh, it's a, like a two part of them would be, um, well, what is your background? And then is it a logical uh, progression to what you do now? And then also, what is a National Technology Officer? Okay. Yeah. Um, so my my background, um, well, I've been working, I suppose, in the IT space for actually it'll be 30 years this June. Um, and, you know, my background has always been in, in computing and technology. Um, I suppose over the years, it's kind of morphed away from the kind of hardcore technology side of things or the computing or programming or management side of things into just a, a real interest around the policy and the strategy and the governance aspects um uh, you know that's developed over the last probably 10 or 15 years um and that's effectively what a lot of my job is now um it's it's looking at it policy um, very much from a national perspective so we would work very closely with the public sector in Ireland um, and regulated industries, um, engaging with them in terms of policy development on a national level about the adoption of cloud computing or artificial intelligence um, and, and things like cyber cybersecurity. So um, it's a bit of a mixed bag of of bits, really, but it's it's very much you know I, I guess you could distill it down it to what's the best way to use technology to help everyone in the country um, be, be a little bit more successful in terms of what they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I guess in some ways um, uh, it makes sense to be a bit of a, max, a mixed bag rather than uh, too niche in one silo because otherwise then as things evolve and technologies change, uh, you end up getting uh, maybe left out of the mainstream. Um, so uh, when we were chatting with Des Ryan, uh, one of the things is, is that over the last year, we've seen a massive rise in home working. Uh, and for many companies, 80% of the traffic is now coming from off-site. So um, wh 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 what are your thoughts on, on how it's been over the last year of dealing with this change and the increase in potential security threats? Yeah, it, it's look, it's been a dramatic, you don't need me to say that it's been a traumatic change for everyone in terms of every aspect of their lives and uh, therefore I don't think it's any surprise that the way people are working or the way people are accessing the systems that allow them to work um, has changed dramatically as well. Um, I think it's very difficult to be precise about the percentage, the number, um, certainly in that region of about 80 percent, but what's clear is there has been a huge change away from people that connected to their systems when they were sitting in an office to them now connecting to the systems um, when they're sitting sitting at home. Um, and I suppose the how was this process dealt with or, or, or what did it, it mean or what did it entail? 
I think it's a tale of 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 two types of companies. Really, there were those companies that were, I suppose, already very much using public cloud-based systems, um, and I would say they were at something of an advantage because, you know, there's there's really no difference if you're accessing public cloud systems if you're if if you're sitting at home or you're sitting in an office. So it was a very easy and straightforward transition for those companies. Um, whereas those companies that that probably or organizations, not just companies, but you know, those organizations that were not using public cloud were something of a disadvantage um, because suddenly that infrastructure that they used to provide services in the office in terms of security infrastructure, remote access, firewalls and what have you, um, it really just was never envisaged or set up to, to handle, you know, massive change of, of, of workload. And suddenly the workloads were coming from the outside and instead of being contained within. Um, and definitely there are organizations that struggled massively with that. That was a big effort that had to be conducted very, very quickly. You know, in general, for companies that are moving away from on-premises systems to the cloud, it's they take a lot of time and it's very planned and it's very phased. And this was almost a bit of an overnight or, you know, in the course of a week or so, a massive change to, to the way that um, way that they had to work. So I think those companies that were already using cloud-based systems, um, especially for working together and, and in teams and collaborating. So, you know, from a Microsoft perspective, products like Office 365 and Teams, they're, they're natively cloud-based systems. Um, so when the pandemic struck, you know, they, they were pretty much all set to uh, to just switch fairly seamlessly to it. Um, and I suppose from the security perspective, uh, we did see that, that those that there were many organizations that, that really just weren't prepared for home-based working. Um, you know, we conducted some research last year, I think it was September last year or thereabouts, um, and we 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 surveyed about 500 Irish employees. These are actual workers, and about 200 business decision makers. And you know, in in general, both employers and employees felt that they were really vulnerable to to security attacks. Um, I think it was over a third of employers felt that their organisations, you know, now were more vulnerable than they were previously and, and even just in terms of accessing data you know about 40 percent were really concerned about were they still being gdpr compliant in the way that they were accessing data um and there were a number of other really interesting insights from that research you know half of employers asked their employees to just use their own personal devices for work again it was unpreparedness and a massive change that had to be uh, instantiated really, really quickly. And, you know, personal devices are not always the most secure. They probably wouldn't have the same rigor and controls on them that many work devices would be. So you had people that were used to working in an office on a desktop and that desktop device was was very well secured, suddenly being asked to work from home with their own laptop. And, you know, goodness knows what might be on those laptops. And they certainly maybe wouldn't have the same security controls or protections as as, as work and part, um, work control devices. Um, and similarly, just, you know, not just the, the devices, but employees that are now working from home, you know, many of them, I think it was about a third, were using their personal email accounts or sharing services to, to share documents um, with their colleagues and their peers. Um, and these were, these were very often confidential 
work materials. And again, you know, you're just a huge exposure to to risk um, and vulnerability that that sets in there. Um, and similarly, you know, just two, two last points on that. Um, there was a real concern or at least vocalization that employees said they hadn't really received enough training for for good security practice and good security protections. And I think that's a concern. Um, and and of all those employees now working from home and working remotely, there was you know a, a, a tangible concern from all of them around, you know, was their environment, their new working environment secure and, and they were particularly fearful of losing data. So yes, a massive shift. Um, um, some organizations dealt with it better than others. Um, those that were natively on the cloud were at an advantage. Those that weren't were at a disadvantage in summary. And, um, and you know, a number of attendant security concerns and vulnerable vulnerabilities associated with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and and so look, I mean, here we are, like, you could say 12 months later, and, you know, even in the very best scenario, it's got to surely be at least another three months. And that's if everything goes right, and probably longer. Um, so a, a year on, um, where are we now? Are we in a better state? Or are people still uh, addressing and working out how to solve these issues? I, I, I think, you know, I said earlier those organisations that were that that were better prepared dealt with the changes um, fairly well. And for many organisations that are making a big shift, it's about taking the time to get the right protocols and the right mechanisms and processes in place. So yes, I I think a year on, unfortunately. Um, the situation has improved for for those that are that are working from home. There is more of an understanding in terms of, you know, how best to use the technology. You know, there was a real ramp up in the adoption of cloud-based technology, especially video conferencing and 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 collaboration software in the first few months. The growth was just tremendous, um, and it's it's settled down a little bit, but that that was a a turbulent period for the adoption of new technology, um, you know, in, in a in a bit of a in a bit of a whirlwind. So it certainly has settled down, um, and I think there are organisations now that have looked at the changes they've had to make, have taken the time to finesse and refine them, got things operating a little bit more um, securely and safely, and got a bit of a rhythm, and. You know, are now looking ahead to think. Well, we reacted very quickly here, but I hesitate to use the phrase. But what's the new normal going to look like for mm -hmm. for working? And um, you know, I think that's where many organisations are now. They've they've reached a level of stability, and now they have to think about well, what's next, right? Yeah. So I mean, and and this is the question that I was very much thinking as you were explaining that, which is. Uh, there's already been a lot of surveys and a lot of feedback from employees that that they, that they want a blended hybrid mix going forwards uh you know because you know um i was looking at uh, energy usage and uh congestion times and they've all shifted a bit because some sections of society of working society don't have to go in at the same time anymore because they're working remotely or if they do they're going in later so uh, how are you planning for the future in terms of like you say what the new normal might be like and its impacts on how how you operate. Yeah, I, I think um, 
Well, I'll answer that in two ways. Just very briefly, from a Microsoft perspective, you know, we, we're we, we we've been working almost exclusively from home in Microsoft in Ireland for the last twelve months, save for a very short hiatus where some people were in the office for a very short period of time um, towards the middle of or late part of last year. Um, uh, but we've all been working remotely and that will continue for a while, maybe another three months, may realistically be a little bit longer than that. Um, but I think that the takeaway for us from Microsoft, and again, it's I think it's true for a lot of the big multinationals and indeed multinational tech companies, there's this real view that hybrid working is 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 here to stay. Um, and I think you start to see that reflected when you look out at, at what all companies are saying, or you know, many companies are saying in, in terms of what what is what has the pandemic done in terms of accelerating an adoption of a new style of of people working together? And anecdotally, you can say, yeah, well, there, you know, there are going to be more people. Um, working from home and more hybrid working, but there's there's hard data to support that that's the case as well. Um, you know that security research that I mentioned earlier that we undertook in September of last year, uh, 53% of the the companies that were involved in that said that they would be um, maintaining a hybrid style of work after the pandemic, um, and over half of them said that they'll they'll move many of their business systems to the cloud in order to support that, to just make that kind of hybrid working a lot easier. Um, and from, from global Microsoft research, we conduct this thing called the annual Workplace Trends Index. It's about 30,000 people across 30 or so countries, um, conducted just this month, this month actually in, um, in March. And there was an overwhelming response. You know, 73% of workers said that they wanted this flexible remote work option or optional capability to continue. Um, and companies are, are going to have to support them. I don't think any companies are going to be able to say, we're going to go back to the way it was before and you're all coming into the office because people just won't stand for it, to be honest. You know, there's a huge pent up desire for it. And, and that Workplace Trends Index also indicated that, you know, almost half of employees might consider moving to other companies that allow them to work remotely. Um, and just interesting, you know, the, the, there was a significant percentage, I think it was like um, a 5x increase in job postings on LinkedIn that um, that were that were dedicated towards remote working. So look, the demand is going to be there and, and people are going to expect when we get to the other side of this much more flexibility um with respect to the to the to the new norm so it's not a this is not a temporary remote working isn't a temporary measure it's a permanent change and i think we'll we'll see more of it yeah look i think you're right and it's very much that kind of the metaphor of the genie being out of the bottle because uh, i worked for a multinational before and you know you were only allowed to do it after two years and if you were good and if you got the desk approved whereas now that it's all been done it really you know explodes a lot of the myths about the possibility of it um so i I think you're right and equally if you don't offer it and others do then people will migrate to companies that, that offer that um in that context and and you mentioned that, that you've had to deal 
you got everyone remote remote working, and you've and you've you've dealt with the challenges. Uh, are people though still more at risk from cyber threats than they realise? And then maybe what kind of good digital hygiene do do you kind of uh, advocate to your teams? Yeah, can I just pick up on the last thing you said about you know work mm-hmm. work, work environments that were more supportive of their employees and allowing them to to work from home versus those that that aren't. And we've talked about that, that demand that people are. are are looking for um, it, when we get to the other side of this, um, and and really, I just want to kind of zoom in on that notion of a happy workforce. Really, you know, I think it's really, really, I think it's important, um, and it's one of the things that we've seen from a lot of the research that that we've we've conducted and we've been engaged with. You know, Richard Branson was 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 famous for talking about putting the happiness of his workers in first place. And um, because everything flows logically from that, you know, focus and a dedication and a determination to really um, help your customers. Uh, and I think that's that's really important. Um, and, and one other really important factor to supporting that is making sure that that people you talked about, you know, you needed to be in for two years and, um, you know, you got the desk or whatever. But the really key thing is to make sure you're equipping people with the right tools for collaboration. Um, and w- one of the things we saw coming from the pandemic was that you know, it was a massive increase, obviously, for for those people that are now using online collaboration tools. I think it was like 84 percent of remote workers now using online collaboration platforms for 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 sharing documents for voice and for video calls and and collaborating um, together i think that's really really um key um that that the that the work environment understands the needs of its employees and supports them and and really enables them to give all that they can um but working from home isn't just brilliant you know it's not just brilliant that you can <laughs> Get up at five minutes to nine every morning and be at your desk by by nine a.m. There there are many downsides to it um, as well, um, and you know I think there's been a lot of observation that people find the intensity of working from home quite difficult. The concentration required to be on virtual meetings all day is really high, and and people people get tired and people make mistakes, and that's an opportunity for exploitation, um, exploitation from a security perspective. Um, and it's, a, it's it's an opportunity for workers to feel quite, quite vulnerable. And you, you talked about risks and mitigation of risks and cyber threat and what, you know, good digital hygiene tips might be there um, or, or might, might, might be relevant. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it's, I go back to my point from earlier. It's empowering workers to know what they should and what they what they shouldn't do. Um, about forty percent of workers felt that they needed to do more in terms of their digital hygiene and security, but they didn't know what to do. Um, about a third of employees working from home now are using the same passwords for their work and their personal devices, and they're blurring work and personal life. Um, and these all present opportunities of risk from a security perspective. Um, and, you know, malicious actors have not been slow out of the blocks to exploit these weaknesses. In September of last year, we and Microsoft published our digital defense report, um, and we highlighted several trends 
that were very much related to this change in working as a result of the, the pandemic. Um, and a couple of things to take away from that. There was a massive step function observed in terms of the change from about March 2020 of last year um, on in, term, in, in terms of attacks from malicious actors of different types. And I'll talk about it in a second, but really, you know, sustained now over the last 12 months at very, very high levels. Um, we've seen phishing um, as a major concern, a really huge increase in phishing attacks um, from uh, from from malicious actors that were previously just sort of focused on malware, um, what we call business email compromise, where you've got bad actors that are you know looking for credentials, leveraging um, phishing domains, um, and, and and trying to trick people into you know, go to health related sites or hospital websites or World Health Organization websites, and they're all completely spoofed and, and false, but, you know, really terrible way to, to, to try to perform phishing attacks. Um, and I think it was reported in Info Security magazine in March last year, there was over a 600% increase in phishing emails in, in March last year. So phishing is a real problem and people need to be on their guard in relation to that. There's a huge um, uptake in ransomware attacks. Our Microsoft detection and response team, the DART team, um, you, you know, have been very busy in this space. Ransomware is the most common reason behind the instant response engagements our DART team um, is involved with. And at the same time, there's been a real significant increase in the number of nation state attacks. So these are malicious actors that are you know, in this for the long haul, they're performing reconnaissance on compromised systems, harvesting credentials, VPN exploits. Um, they're very sophisticated, really playing the long game. They're they're very difficult to detect. And you know, you from a security, a counter security perspective, they require lots of um, or one requires lots of expertise to take them on and and to defeat them. Um so that, you know, and and, and just simple things like People were coming in and out of the office before March last year, and they were plugging their laptops in and they were getting security updates and patches and all that was being seamlessly done. And many organizations relied on that. And now that's not happening because people aren't coming into the office. Um, so there's a real sea change and change of thinking that is required to ensure that all of the systems are patched correctly, kept up to date, and just organizations in, in general are, are on their guard because it's a huge bad world out there from a from a security perspective. You know, from uh, when we, when the Microsoft technology and our, our security grid that we use, we process about 8 trillion security signals every single day. Um, that's nearly 500 billion emails that get scanned, 600 billion documents scanned, you know, 600 billion logons every day. Um, and th th so the scale at, at which you need to be operating now in order to be really secure is, is tremendous. It's very difficult to do that when you're running your own environment in an on-prem setup in, in, in a small data center. Um, and that's why there's been a real uptake in companies that are um, and organizations in general now relying on cloud public cloud-based systems, not just for functionality but for security. Yeah, look, uh, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, that you um 
you, you, you leverage the value of, of, of the much bigger networks that, that are doing everything and many things that you can't do. So <clears throat> I can see why, why you would do that. And like you say, it's not just for the services, it's for the security. Um, so, in the, so you're outlining some very serious issues and threats. Um, in the future, um, I guess, what are you both excited and concerned about? Are, are there areas that you see positive developments? And it sounds like also you feel there are concerns as well. Yeah. Um, look, I think the hybrid workforce is here to stay. Um, I think it's a good thing, right? I think it's good for business. I think for the reasons I outlined earlier, I think it's good for people. I think, and as you outlined, I think it's good for the environment, reduced commuting, and it's good for the country, to be honest with you. So I think it's important that using the right types of technology for, for this kind of richer collaboration and to drive um, these kinds of efficiencies um, is really important. Um, I think you know there's a real benefit from this more flexibility in the working model and a work-life balance. Um, personally, for me, um, I was used to very often to get up at 4:30 a.m. to to get to the Microsoft office in Dublin. I don't have to do that anymore, at least not for the moment. I miss being in the office and all of my colleagues, but it's nice to be able to lie in bed a little bit longer. Um, you know, so there there are so many benefits from this, which which are going to be locked in. You know, we we've mentioned reduced commuting and travel time, reduced carbon impact, um, allowing people to work outside the big cities. Um, helping people, you know, work in 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 smaller and more rural communities. So I, I expect to see that persist for a long period of time. I would expect to see maybe like a 50-50 split in remote working offered for many people. Um, you know, where you maybe be in the office for some days of the week, two days or three days, and you're allowed to work from home um, for for maybe half of your time. I, that's a common theme that we hear from from lots of organizations, big and small. Um, the, the, the research we performed last September talked about, you know, 53 percent of organizations expected to see this kind of hybrid work workforce. Um, and I, I just in general, I think that's all good. It's all positive. And there are a number of other things associated with it. I think it it helps drive innovation in collaboration technology and and improvements in in products as well. Um, you know, people are now working differently. I mean, you, if, if you're in the office and you're in a meeting room, everything happens quickly and you're there and it gets resolved. And um, now people are used to working with collaboration technologies where they're maybe having group chats that are asynchronous or editing documents together remotely. Um, meetings um, done virtually, um, uh, uh, you know, they, they seem to be the kind of knee-jerk reaction to the pandemic. Everyone is working from home, right? We must all have online meetings filling almost every hour of our day. And it just seemed like the obvious thing to do. But I think as time has gone on, um, you know, people are, and, and companies and managers and everyone is asking, do we really need to just replicate that by having virtual meetings? You, you, we're all familiar with that. A trope of that's another meeting that should have been an email that you you've probably received at some stage, you know. So I th I think we're going to see I think we're going to see that change slightly. I don't think remote working, hybrid working is going to be everyone locked in to video conferences all day every day. Um, I think that's going to change slightly. Um, and the, you know I just think the on the one hand it is unfortunate that we've lost some of 
the richness and the intimacy of face-to-face -face meetings. And I think that will come back. Um, you know, face-to-face -face meetings are, are really valuable because you can connect with people in a very rich and, and genuine way. Um, and you, you can you can sort of get there with remote technology, remote collaboration technology, but it's not brilliant. So I think there is going to be a balance, um, and I'm I'm looking forward to getting to getting that balance to be a little bit more 50-50 than the the kind of 80-20 that you know you mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, look, um, and 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 it, it is a thing too that it's almost like some people because because we were quite remote anyway that you had to train people in the value of like asynchronous communication. Uh, so therefore, somewhere between between real-time live meetings and email um, that, that we hear what you want, we will reply to it, but it doesn't necessarily need to have four people in the room at the same time. And like you say, otherwise, yeah, uh, remote working is not very smart if you're in eight hours of video conferencing because basically you're, 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 you're sitting looking at a screen with other people that maybe don't need to be there while you're working. So you're right, I think we're still evolving and we will still move towards what's, what's the smarter way to do it. Um, so look, it's it's been a pleasure to talk to you. How can people find out more about you and your work and what you're up to? Um, I, I try to be as active on social media as I can. So uh, I'm on Twitter at um, at MS Ireland NTO, um, and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so you'll you'll find me there. Perfect. Um, thank you very much, Kieran. Thank you, Simon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.